Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Good evening, everybody. Today is uh, March the 10th, 2022. And we're here with Chris again. We're here, uh, Chris Hauser. And if you guys don't know, my name is Tad. I host these calls, and I run the website, youhavetheright.com. And what I do is I take these calls, and I break them up by subject, and I put them in my monthly membership. Uh, the question I see coming up in the, uh, the telegram is, oh, my gosh, do I have to pay... $37 a month to hear this? No, you do not. The calls are free. I host the calls in their entirety for free, but what I do is I break them down by subject to make them um, a lot easier for you to listen to what you need to listen to without having to listen to hours and hours and hours of conference calls. And if you want to stay informed of these uh, conference call schedules and other things uh, that I'm putting out there, Go to youhavetheright.com and join our mailing list. That's very important. That way we can stay in touch with you. So, um, Chris, hello there. Welcome, everybody. It's been an eventful week, crazy busy. Uh, One of the questions that I've got asked a lot uh, that had to do with... uh, the last video where I was showing the letter from uh, the IRS to one of my uh, comrades that's locked up. Uh, and the, the the most frequently asked question is about the beneficiary account. Uh, out of all that, all, you know, all that stuff going on, that was the seemed to be the number one thing that everybody was interested in. So we're going to start tonight off, and I'm going to explain to you all about the beneficiary account, clear up a few uh, a few things that people are kind of confused about. <clears throat> One is, and I've said it in a, <clears throat> I'm dealing with the cold. I've had a cold, bad cold now for about three days. I'm trying to get over it. Uh, but Oh, my uh, God, it's COVID. Yeah, it's got to be COVID. <laughs> it's got to be COVID. Everybody in the family's got it. Uh, actually, I was the last one to get it again. We had one about four months ago, three months ago. But anyway, I'm getting over it rather well. Uh, it hasn't got down into my chest like colds used to do when I was a cigarette smoker. Uh, but and those were rough. Those were rougher than any COVID. Uh, but <clears throat> one of the questions... Or one of the things that people are confused about is the beneficiary account, like it's something special. Uh, it is something special. <laughs> Actually, it's something different. Uh, you're not going to get. Uh, you're not going to open up a beneficiary account 
and uh, get a beneficiary uh, debit card that you can just draw money off and draw money off and draw money off of. Uh, it doesn't work like that. This beneficiary account is just like a regular account. Uh, you're, you got to put money into it if you're going to use the debit card to get money out. The difference is, is when you open up a regular account, you're an authorized representative of that account. And if you're an authorized representative, then you're not a beneficiary. <clears throat> so that's why banks don't like to do this. Uh, because when you're an authorized representative, then there's no identified beneficiary in the beneficiary bank account. All bank accounts that you would go down and sign up for, and you put your uh, you put your social security number on the the uh, application for the account. Uh, it's a trust action, uh, but if you go in there and you don't identify yourself as the beneficiary, and you're there as the authorized representative, <clears throat> that's what's micro printed on the bottom of the check, the, the signature line, says authorized representative, you know, through the whole line. So when you sign that, if you have a beneficiary bank account and you sign it with a beneficiary signature, you're being identified as the beneficiary. Uh, without the beneficiary position being filled in the account, well, then they can they can go ahead and do whatever they want to in the account. Uh, they can charge you service fees. Uh, they can charge, uh, you know, the different things that they charge. Uh, with a beneficiary account, they cannot do that. Uh, the first one that I opened up had a $6.5 service fee. The, the first statement, they took that $6.5 off, and then they put it right back on again. Uh, for about the next nine months or ten months, well, even even up to even up to the statements that I still get now, <clears throat> it says it, 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 there's no service fee. They can't do that because there you are as the beneficiary. Uh, they also can't, uh, like saying the IRS wants to come in and clean your account out. They can't do that with a beneficiary account. Uh, with an authorized representative account, they can. Uh, without suffering uh, 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 malfeasance of office because they violated the trust that they had between the the bank and the client or the beneficiary. Uh, so that's what that's about. It's, it's no different than a regular bank account. Only the difference is is now you've been identified as the beneficiary, uh, which means they got they walk on eggshells. Uh, when they attempted to make, after I, I paid uh, uh, a house payment and uh, I paid an, uh, uh, another car payment, uh, it was my the one my that I bought for my mother-in-law years before I got into this. Uh, but I was making those car payments uh, with the beneficiary check, so. Uh, you know, every month I was writing two or three checks that had the beneficiary signature on them and mailing them off. Well, those checks were going to these finance companies and the mortgage company, and then they were coming back to the bank, and the bank was 
was actually transacting. Uh, so they agree to that. They agree that I'm the beneficiary. Uh, so <clears throat> they're saying the same thing with the mortgage company. <clears throat> if they're accepting a beneficiary check as a payment, well, then they're recognizing you as the beneficiary. And by doing so, they're saying, this is a trust action. This whole mortgage account is a trust action. Uh, they don't like to do that, but they're not paying much attention to it. Uh, it took eight months for the bank to realize that, uh, you know, what what's actually happening when they do a beneficiary account. And they told me that I had to come down and close it. If I didn't, they were going to close it for me. When they said that, I knew that they couldn't close it. Uh, some folks out here are opening up beneficiary accounts, and the banks are telling them that the account is closed. It's not closed. They cannot close it. Uh, if only the beneficiary can do that. <clears throat> if they do, it's trust fraud. So they try to get me to come down and close the account. I wouldn't do it. It's still open today, folks. That was 2016. I opened up that account. They also told the IRS that they wouldn't give them my $4,000 CD. Um because they knew I, they knew it'd be trust fraud if they did that. So I'm going to explain to you how to open up the beneficiary account. Uh, first of all, don't call the bank and ask them if you can open up a beneficiary account. Uh, don't go to the bank and ask them if you can open up a beneficiary account because uh, they're more likely going to tell you no. Uh, uh so you go to the bank and you you go to a new bank and you say, I want to open up an account. You go in there and the uh, the account officer is going to take you in their office and set up the account. And they're going to be shuffling through some paperwork, getting this together. So and most of the time they're going to hand you the same. Uh, some banks now do the electronic signature thing. Uh, but the particular bank that I went to had the card. So I signed it with the beneficiary signature, kind of blocking the lady's view. I kind of lean over the desk to the front of the desk and put the card down, uh, you know, like like you used to do in school when you'd hide your paper uh, so nobody could cheat off your paper. Uh, I kind of did that so she couldn't see how I was signing it. Then I put the $200. She said it only took $100 to open the account, but I put two in it. And I took the two two $100 bills, and I laid them over the top of the signature card. And I handed them to her. Uh, she took those, and, you know, I small-talked around with her while she was doing this. Because that can be a little distracting, you know. Uh, are, are, are those your sons? She had pictures of her sons, her grandsons, uh, on her desk in their football uniforms. Oh, is that is, is that your sons? Uh, do they play football at the high school, you know? Oh, no, no, don't be silly. Those are my grandsons. You know what I mean? So I had her totally I had her totally thinking of other things while I was handing her all this stuff. Once they accept that and, and they hand you your account stuff, you have an account. It's open. Uh, and then start, don't tell them you've got a beneficiary account. Uh when it gets started, let them be the ones to say 
is this a beneficiary account? Then you can say, yes, it is. Uh, well, we can't do that. Well, you, what do you mean you can't? You already did. Uh, well, we'll have to close that, or you'll have to close that, or we will. No, I don't believe you will. The minute you do, I'm going to have you arrested for, for trust fraud. I'm going to be charged for trust fraud. Uh, don't let them bamboozle you into that. Uh, if they tell you your account has been closed, <clears throat> transact. <clears throat> transact. Uh, one person that I was I got a message from said they opened up a beneficiary account, and when they realized it was a beneficiary account, when the bank realized it was a beneficiary account, uh, uh, they they hoo-hawed around a little bit, and this person went in there and and, and uh, strutted the strut, and the bank was like, well, okay, yeah, and they left it open. The only problem this person's having is she's having a hard time getting her, uh, you know, her electronic banking stuff going, uh, her account set up for her, for her iPhone. And, uh, <clears throat> but they're keeping that. They're keeping her account open. They don't like to do this, but they will. Uh, and, uh, another thing I was talking with Tad a little earlier about this, uh, you want to go to another bank to, to open up a new account. Uh, you you can also take your a bank account that you have now. This is a, like a once you can open up a beneficiary account at another bank. Take your account that you have now and start signing it with the beneficiary signature. Uh, when you go into the bank and you want to withdraw some money. Uh, Right there at the end of your family name, put a little comma, do B E N E B E N E period, and 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 sign that because they're going to give you money and then they're going to accept that signature. Uh, when you write checks, uh, when you write checks, write the whole word beneficiary, uh, at least for the first month or so. Then after that, you can break it down and do the abbreviation to you know be a little faster about it. Write small. Write small. My name's really long. So I learned how to write my signature really small to make it fit on the lines. It's also harder to read, but if you can still kind of identify that that's a comma and there's a B-E-N-E, period, uh, well, then you, you can prove that you got a beneficiary account. Now, if you run that account like that, when you go in there to sign the deposit slips, or the withdrawal slips, assign it with the beneficiary signature, jerk your phone out and take a picture of it. They're not going to think anything out of the way or unusual because people are doing that now for their own records. <clears throat> so <clears throat> you can do that like that, and then every month you get a, you go on your online and, and, and uh, print off copies of your canceled check. Do that for about four or five months. And if they ever give you any grief about it, you can turn around and say, look, I've been transacting, doing commercial transactions at this bank now for five months with this signature of mine. Uh, and so you've accepted it. And if they say, well, we, we can't do that, we can't do that, that's when you're going to tell them, yes, you can, and you will, uh, because you've agreed that this is a beneficiary account. 
and using money to do it. Uh, well, you know, we can't accept that. Yeah, you can. You can accept it, and you will, uh, because you have. Uh, you're, are you trying to tell me that all these months you've been accepting the wrong signature and none of that stuff's good anymore? <laughs> You're not going to do that. That's how you can do it with your own bank, the bank accounts that you've had open for years. But I would suggest doing it, going to a bank and getting the beneficiary account and starting a brand-new account that way uh, because it's, it'll be on the signature card. If they ever want to argue it with you, you can say, where's the signature card? Uh, here's the thing about the signature card, folks. When you go and close an account, they do not give you back your signature card. Uh, they won't do it. Uh, the reason that they won't do it is because there is still an account there. It may say that it's a zero balance, uh, but I've heard of some folks even going in and writing a $500 check on a closed account and the, and, the, and I'm cashing it. Uh, one of my uh, uh, newfound more buddies in uh, Knoxville, he was telling me that, that they did that on an account that was supposed to have been closed. They went in and transacted on a closed account. The reason that they do that is because they can show that they, they have that many accounts. And then what happens is FDIC uh, will insure that bank for those closed accounts. What are they doing? Uh, what are they doing insuring an account that's supposed to be closed and there's no money in it? There is how, money in it. How soon after the account was closed did he write the check? Do you know? I'm not sure. We were talking about it one night here last week. And they said, do you know when you close an account, it's really not closed? I said, no, really? He said, yeah, it's still the, you can still transact on it. From what I've heard, uh, they'll keep it they open, they'll keep it open for 30 did. days so, to cover any checks that you've written. Yeah. They, uh, they said something about they wrote the check for like negative 500 bucks or something like that. Um, yeah. Let's just get over on the downside of this, uh, on the negative side of this uh, account here and see what we got. <clears throat> I don't know. It's, you know. it's just one person that told me that. So, But I could see him doing that because I know that they don't give you your – I've tried that. You know, well, we're, uh, we're going to close your account. And uh, uh, if you don't keep a, a – I had a, actually had a, a joint account with my second wife and – she went in and and uh, closed the account because we had an and or account. So she went in and closed the account, and my disability check from the VA wouldn't come in because the account was closed. So that, and I asked them about that. I said, "Well, let me have the signature card." Oh, we can't do that. We can't let you have that. Uh, that's what that's about. So when you folks get these beneficiary accounts, that's what's going on with them. They are, uh, you're identified as a beneficiary. Now they can't, they can't charge you for stuff. I mean, I could go to another bank with the ATM card, my ATM card, 
<clears throat> and use it at another bank where that bank has a two dollar uh, uh, has a two dollar fee, and they wouldn't take it out. They wouldn't take the money out. I could use any I could use any ATM machine anywhere, and they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't take that out for the bank. You mean the fee? Yeah, the fee. The ATM fee. You know how they always if yeah. it's at your bank if it's at your bank it's it's free. They don't charge two dollars or whatever. But you go to another bank and they want to charge you two dollar service fee. They can't even do that. So we're the beneficiary accounts. So what if they ask you? Um, so how is this a beneficiary account? Is this a trust, or are you are you part of a um, a deceased estate? How how are you a beneficiary? Uh, did you not take my social security number? That this is all about, folks. <clears throat> anytime they want to, anytime you want, they want to question you about you having a trust fund that has millions of dollars in it. The easiest thing to say is, is not Social Security a trust fund? Right? Uh, uh, is there not money in that fund? Okay, then it's a commercial trust action. Anytime your trust fund is used, that's a commercial transaction with a trust fund. Uh, <clears throat> anybody that knows that, Googles will tell you that Social Security is a trust fund. So if you're having problems getting somebody to uh, believe that that you got a trust fund that you're, you're you get your money from, uh, all they got to do is ask Google. Uh, hey, Google, uh, you know what's Social Security? <clears throat> They'll tell you when you go looking into it. That's what a lot of these people that are running into trouble with. Uh, you know, the dealership will go, how much money's in your trust or or the mortgage people or the the, the realtors say, uh, well, we don't need to know how much is in your trust. Well, I don't know. How much money does the United States have? Because really, folks, that's the limit of what could be in your trust. How much money does the federal government have? Could you ask the federal government how much money they have and get an answer? <laughs> you can't do you can't do that with the beneficiary. You're not going to get it from the beneficiary any more than you could get it from Joe Biden. Hey, Joe Biden, how much money does America have? You're not going to get told that. Well, okay, if you can't tell me uh, a, a, a dollar amount for what America has, do you te- can you tell me if we at least have this much money? If we have X amount of dollars uh, to cover this, whatever it is I want to buy, you know, uh, I want to buy a cruise ship. Uh, does the United States have at least enough money to buy a cruise ship? Do they have enough money to buy buy an aircraft carrier? <laughs> Twelve. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? If anybody ever questions you how much is in your trust, say, oh, about as much as you got in yours, which is everything. Trillions of dollars. 
because it's your trust or your trust collectively that backs the dollar. So are you are you ready for questions? Yeah, I'll be good. Okay. Charles. Hey, this is Charles. Can you all hear me? Yep, go ahead. Yeah, I got you. All right. Hey, Chris. Hey, Taz. Uh, I have been battling with the IRS to uh, take off uh, a lien, and now they're, they're going to a hearing, and they're trying to lien my bank account and, along with my wife's. Um, I had a hearing coming up on Monday, and um, I did see that you had a script that you read from when you were in prison, and I wrote most of that down, but I, I had something to do and didn't get to write it all down. But it, you know, I was re- rereading it, and it didn't quite uh, pertain exactly to my situation. Um, do you have a script that I could use or uh, be Hang emailed? On, I just switched over to my uh, speaker so I could hear a little bit. Speak up, Charles. You're really soft. Okay. Do you have a script uh, that I could use for challenging jurisdiction uh, for the IRS call? Okay. It wasn't going to work. I was was trying to switch it over to my uh, little boombox speaker so I could hear a little bit better. I've had bad hearing. I spent a couple years around uh, uh, M1 Abrams tanks while I was in the military, so... Can you repeat that again? Yeah, I have my volume all the way up. Can you all hear me any better now? Yeah, yeah. Yes, go ahead. Better. Okay. I, I have an IRS hearing on Monday, and I've, I've gotten one of your scripts uh, from when you were in prison and the one that you were handing out to the other guys. But uh, as far as my situation, I was reading it, and it doesn't really pertain exactly to uh, my situation because it wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't in jail. Um, at the time, I mean, at, at this time, like you were. Um, but do you have yeah. a script that I could be emailed or uh, uh, or just let know of what it is? Well, I really haven't. I really haven't gotten uh, uh, conditional acceptance for the IRS yet. Uh, I, I haven't had to go that far. Uh, what you what you what you're doing is you're getting ready to go in here. Uh, I don't know if it's the actual. Is it is it a hearing with the tax court? Uh, I'm not sure if it's with the tax court or the, the uh, agent, um, but uh, I've I've gotten all kinds of notices, and they're about to levy my bank account along with my wife's. Yeah, is this a uh, is this a uh, um, let's see? Uh, <clears throat> you're going in for a hearing for. Uh, uh, to be audited, right? I'm not sure. Like Dude, it's just failure to file. Oh, failure to file? Oh, failure to file, okay. Oh. You didn't well, tell me uh, that. Yeah. Uh, here's... But if you guys don't do the W... You're breaking up, Chris. Uh, pardon me. Is that better? Go ahead. When you guys uh, when you guys don't do the BEN, uh, you're under you're under a W two or a ten ninety nine, which means you're agreeing that you're going to gift this money. Uh, that's why it's important to do the WA. 
Once you do the WA, you won't have this problem anymore. Uh, but see, the thing is still the same. <clears throat> Here's what you really need to know. When you need to go in there, you need to go in there with the definition of what taxes are. Uh, you need to know that uh, that the that the W-2 and the and the 1040 are in two different tax classes, and even they can't work between the tax classes. This is the stuff you need to know. Uh, uh, one's a gift tax and an inheritance tax, right? So it, that's proof in itself that that you've got a. Uh, and I'll read it to y'all. Okay. When you gotta. <clears throat> When you're dealing with taxes, you've got you got to realize what's happening, uh, and the best way to do that and be able to explain this stuff to these jokers is right here. Okay, it says right here. <clears throat> it says right here that uh, uh, section two of the tax. Tax returns and forms. Break it up, Chris. In order. There you go. Let me see here. In order for. uh, In order to determine what a tax class five uh, is, I found section eight C, master file code. Source, reason, hold, priority, items, adjustment, and credit reference, NMS abstract, under reporter process, no merge reason, EP merge fail reason, and this is the whole list of where you find that at, right, is that it's tax class, the W-2, W-4, and the 1099 is tax class 5, Okay. And tax class five is solely for estate and gift tax. It's for estate and gift tax, okay? All right, so think about that. When you go to a job and you file a W-2, or a lot of people are doing the W-4s, right? Oh, well, you can't do the BEN, but here, here's the W. You need to do a W-4. No, I need to do a, a W-8 because uh, a W-4 falls in tax class five. Tax class five is a state and gift tax. Okay? Uh, now, the Treasury forms 1040, 1040A, 1040EZ, all 1040 forms only relate to tax class two, which is individual income, true tax class two. Okay? So think about that. You You, you do your... You do your W-2s and your 1099-As in one tax class, which is tax class 5, and then you, at the end of the year, you got to do a 1040 uh, or one of the 1040s, right, which is tax class 2. So while you're paying your taxes out through the year, you're gifting them. And then when you do the B or when you do the uh, the 1040, 
at the beginning of the year or before April the 15th, uh, you're saying that these are individ- this is individual income. Uh, income is not wages. You know, a lot of you tax guys already know this. Income and wages is two completely different definitions. All right? Now, you got to remember, too, what's the tax? Taxes are a contribution imposed. A contribution is a gift. Uh, ergo, tax class five. Gift and estate tax. Okay? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a gift. A contribution is a gift. And to impose means to trick by deception. Now, you're not going to find that definition in the newer dictionaries. I had one guy arguing with me on uh, 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 there on the, on the uh, comment section in the YouTube videos. Uh, well, no, it it doesn't say it's a. Tr- There's no definition that uh, you know to pose means to to trick. Uh, where are you getting that from? Well, try looking in a Noah Webster's 1890, 1898 dictionary. Well, well, that doesn't that doesn't it doesn't mean that anymore. Yes, it does. Actually, it meant that before it means what you're saying it meant. So that's what that is. Uh, you could go into this thing here, dude. Check this out, man. You could go in there and say. You could blast them with all this. Put all this out. Uh, well, you know, I looked up the definition of taxes. It says taxes are a contribution imposed. Uh, I did this on the first video where, I, where I'm telling these guys, I'm not going to register the deed. I'm not paying any taxes. Why? Because taxes are a contribution imposed. You could go in there and say that to him. Uh, you could go in there and tell them about tax class 5 and uh, tax class 2. I would like to add. Uh, yeah, and you could go in there and tell these jokers, hey, show me a law that says I have to pay taxes. Well, you, if you can show me, I say, if you can show me a law that says I have to pay taxes, I'll pay you whatever you say I need to pay. Actually, there's, some, not there's something else I want to add to this, Chris. Yeah, go ahead. So, Charles, failure to file... Remember, with Kerry, it's Title 27, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Okay, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Okay, Failure to File, what what, what code are you uh, citing? Title 26, 7, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. By the way, are you enforcement or are you administrative? Your enforcement, that's ATF. Oh, you're administrative? Well, where's your authority? Well, you're required to file. Okay, uh, a statement or a return, is that correct? Here's my statement, you know, like Kerry used to say, my statement, eat shit and die, and sign it, and there you go. That's a statement. <laughs> yeah. Now, you okay. might want to be a little more yeah. diplomatic. Yeah, well, not. let me ask you this. Uh, can I file the W-8-B-E-N on previous years? I don't see why not. You file it as an amendment. You could actually take a W-8 down there if you're a 10... Are you 1099A? Are you a 1099 guy? 
Yeah, Charles, do you get a 1099 at the end of the year or W-2 or what? Uh, I believe a W-2. So you're working for a, a business? Yes. Yeah. I just I just say look I take a W I take a W uh, W eight in there and backdate it back before you uh, back before they claim you actually leave the date open and when you go back in there and say how how far back does this go and then date it and go here you go here you go mm, I wouldn't I need to mail it you could probably hand it to guy. The one who's doing this interview, here you go. Well, it's going to be over the you phone. Could you could do this. Oh, you did it over the phone? <clears throat> so I'll mail it to you. Uh, I don't even know if I'd do that. You, you, What you could do is go in there and argue this whole thing, and if they're still going to give you a hassle over it, tell them that, you're, that, you got, uh, that you'll have your payment mail. By the end of the week, and then send them a ten ninety nine a. Okay, explain that to me again. Send them the WABEN for the other years, and then send them a ten ninety nine a for what the the amount? No, I'm saying if, if you, normally you you'll do a ten ninety nine a for your HR. Okay, uh, a lot of HRs. Aren't aren't accepting them, and and they don't they don't realize it, but they're breaking the law by by doing what they're doing. Uh, but you could go into this hearing not even with an as W eight. Uh, file that with your own, with your employer though as soon as possible, and do do it uh, do it from the date that you sign it. So just okay. mail it to all this money that huh? So I would mail them the the the, the ten ninety nine eight. For the entire year? What you'll do, you talk to these people on the phone, you say, look, uh, you know, I know that uh, taxes are a contribution imposed. I know the contribution is a gift, and to impose is, is a trick by deception. Uh, I don't. I no longer wish to be tricked. Uh, I don't no longer wish to be deceived into gifting you my money. Uh, so I'm filing, I'm going to file the WABEN with my employer, uh, from this day forward, and, uh, and tell me what it is that you claim that I owe. Because you got to remember, you got to remember, folks, that every taxpayer is assessed to K Trust. It's the trust that owes the money. So, if, if the IRS is saying you, and they, they actually mean the trust, they're trying to get you to respond. They're trying to get you to act as a pseudo trustee. You cannot do. That. You say, look, I, I can't make decisions for the trust. But if you if you're claiming that the trust owes eighteen thousand dollars, who am I to say? I'll tell you what. Here's what I'll do. I will have you a payment. Don't tell them how you're going to pay. Say I will have this payment in full in the mail to you by the end of the week. What is it I owe? And then write it down. And then what you're going to do is get a ten ninety nine a. Put that amount in the 1099A. The lender is going to be the the the, uh, the the treasury, and you're going to be the borrower. And what you're going to do is you're going to bar you're going to loan 
they're, they're, you're going to, the Treasury's going to loan you your money from your trust, and you're going to send it in a letter to the IRS agent, who's whoever you're supposed to mail it to. Uh, who, who am I? I'll have a, I'll have a payment in the mail by the end of by the end of this business week. Uh, who do I who do I send the payment to? And the and the mailing address, and then send it to him certified mail with a nice little contract via the postal rule. Uh, I talked to George Johnson at the hearings uh, on this date. Uh, he said that I owed this much money, or the trust owed this much money. So I'm sending this payment, this 1099A as a payment. I'm sending it. Uh, you'll notice on the back that it was endorsed by the beneficiary sig- with a beneficiary signature. Uh, there you go. Uh, they, if they, if, if, if they don't, if they try to tell you that they can't accept that, but they don't send it back to you, then they have accepted it. So they're going to agree that they accepted it just because you sent it for the postal rule. Okay. Okay. Charles, does that address your issue? Okay. Um, it does. Now, with the 1099-A, I've called, and um, there's a delay on getting the 1099-A, and they're saying that you can't, that they're they're behind. Um, is there another way I could get a 1099-A besides uh, calling that? Yeah. They're backlogged. So I just got to wait. Uh, but, they're, but they are sending them out. I'm, I'm getting uh, messages from people now that are saying that they're getting them. So they are sending them out. They haven't stopped making them. Or they haven't, they're not, they, they can't because everybody, every financial institution, the military, all that uses that 1099A. They're not going to stop making the 1099A, folks. It's just that y'all have been slamming them for the last two months, three months, and they, had, they, they, they haven't predicted that they were going to need that many forms. So now they're calling up guys going, we need more forms. We need more 1099As and OIDs and all this. Uh, thanks to y'all. Uh, some of you guys are ordering. Uh, I think you can order like a thousand 1099As. Oh my gosh. A thousand. No kidding. That's three thousand accounts. Have, some that some people have ordered that. Uh, some people have ordered a uh, hundred and fifty. You're not going to use a hundred fifty 1099As. In a year, you're not going to. I mean, what all do you need? Are they specific to, to a year? Uh, are they specific yeah, to a year? Are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Some of them, but some of them have like uh, two thousand, and then they got a line, so you can put the year in them. You see what I'm okay, saying? so do you? Would you, you recommend go ahead and ordering the, the, all of them? The the ten ninety nine A ten ninety six. No, you don't really need to do that. The 1099C, folks, is for financial institutions. You call the you call the mortgage company. You say, "Look, I want you to discharge, uh, or I want you to cancel this debt using a 1099C." Bankruptcies do it all the time. Uh, well, we can. Yeah, we can do that. Some of them, your mortgage company might say, "Yeah, we can do that," uh, or they might say, "No, we're not going to do that." And then, and then you'd hit them with the 1099A. But no one has to 
you guys, unless you're a financial institution, you don't need to order the 1099C. The only reason I talked about the 1099C is because the A and C is on the same instruction uh, package. I well, you, you mentioned the OID. Yeah, the OIDs, the 96 and the 1040Vs, you, 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 can, you can print off 1040V. Uh, you can print off 1199A. That's the direct deposit. Uh, you need to order the 1099 uh, OIDs and the 1096s from the IRS. But you're only going to do that if you're acting as a trustee. If you're not going to do anything but pay your bills, uh, you know, buy a car, buy a house, uh, there's no need for you to get all the other forms unless you want to have them because the dealership might not have them. Uh, then, then go ahead and order them. Or if you're wanting I to guess somebody... uh, be a trustee, if you're wanting to be a trustee for someone, then you're going to want the OIDs and the 96s. You know, now, if somebody pays you and somebody gives you the 1099A, like for an accident, then how? Then you would need all them, right? Yeah. But you can have them order. All right, so, so hang on. So, Charles, Charles, does this address your question? Because we have a lot of people waiting. Yes, yes, it does. Okay. I just got to go right. research this weekend and figure it out. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you for it. Thank you, Ted. Do deal with this, bro. That's where you're going to beat this at. All right. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay. So we're going to England now. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's go to England. Well, hello, y'all. How are you? How are you doing? Hey there. Hey, um, uh, Chris. This is the message that I read to you before we got on about the other group. Okay. Yeah, she's the one that brought it to me. So go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. I'm actually with the KGJA, which is the Kentucky General General Assembly, um, and I have got four questions, and I actually five. I will make it very quick, and you all already answered one. First question, Chris, okay. since I don't live too far from y'all, what car lot specific did you use that accepted this? Okay, the, the, the car lot that did it, I'm going to tell y'all, but... You're wasting your time if you're trying to get trying to get a hold of them, uh, because I, okay. I explained it in the video. I explained it in the video. The the car lot that I used was called Stennett Chevrolet. It's in Newport, Tennessee. Uh, now you can call them, uh, but they're going to shoot you down. Uh, this is the the once I bought the vehicles there, they started doing this with all their employees. Uh, their night janitor had a brand new truck. Uh, everybody that worked there had brand new cars. Uh, this is what I say: I you can't be greedy. You can't be greedy with this. Uh, and what happened was uh, the uh, the IRS, some IRS auditors came in, and some uh, some uh, uh, Secret Service guys came in uh, from the Treasury and scared them up. They uh, they scared them up. So, uh, you, or or I would be having you guys, everybody, come to Newport and buy cars. Uh, but like I said, they got greedy. The owner got greedy. Now, 
Yeah. From what I understand, after talking to the salesman that sold me the car after I got out of prison, he said they don't even want you around here. Uh, I, so it's not my fault. You guys are the ones got green. Uh, he said. Right. He told me that. Uh, they told me that the the owner wasn't even fine. They never even fined this guy. Uh, but oh, wow. what they did was they scared the crap out of him. Uh, don't yeah. do this again. Uh, and that's what I'm. That's why I said at the first video, the first video I even talked about a 1099A. I said, "Look, you cannot get greedy with this." Uh, yeah, I mean, like I'll the guy through all of your videos. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the guy that was buying them every other month, he got greedy. Uh, when you get yeah, they can that man come and said one per year. Yeah, that's where mm-hmm. that was from. Yes, but. Uh, I'm, I'm, I get messages at least one or two every day. Uh, somebody else that's got a dealership that's accepted it, uh, or somebody else that's got somebody that's working on it, or somebody that bought a car from a, a friend or a neighbor, and they're waiting on the money. Uh, uh, so there are people having success. Uh, I'm, so our best I'm bet is to keep guy. it local? Yeah. Yeah, go, go in your okay. local area. about getting a new car. Uh, and that's great. If you can get a new car, that's fantastic. Uh, but what this is really about is getting them to reject you. Okay, now you're in an office, so I'm just going to send you conditional acceptance. Uh, right. Now I'm going to own your car. Now I'm going to own your car a lot. Uh, that's what this is about. And see, if enough people do this... If enough people started, if enough people started doing these conditional acceptances, and the, these dealerships would go, damn, uh, maybe I better try this thing that they're talking. Okay. Then to get a freaking multi-million-dollar lien put on my dealership, because when you go in a dealership and the dealership rejects you. Well, then the owners rejected you, and the principals rejected you, and the general salesman rejected you, and the uh, general finance managers rejected you. There's four, three people in, in a uh, in a principal there that you can now turn around and do a six million dollar uh, conditional acceptance on all of them. Uh, you know, now we're talking about twenty four million dollars in one car. Uh, maybe we ought to do this next time guy comes in here. Uh, that's what this is about. It's about right. It's about getting the getting rejection. This is one time when rejection better than getting what you're asking for. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people out here that are going from dealership to dealership, uh, trying to do this process, and they've forgotten what it is that they really need to be doing. Uh, that's getting rejected. I mean, you're going to go around to 12, 13 car lots and get rejected, uh, and, you know, and, and you're going to go to three or four of them before you even take a picture of the application. Yeah, right. I talked to some people. Hey, I went to the dealership and they turned me down. Okay, fantastic. Did you take a picture of the application? Oh, no, man, I forgot. Well, then you just lost your opportunity to send these people conditional acceptance 
Because you don't even have proof that they denied your offer. <clears throat> so what, what was the other question? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I've got that in big bold letters. And I have that written because you said that's your proof. Um, next question. I'm sorry. I don't want to hold anyone up. Um, I take notes, a lot of notes on your calls. Uh, what do we do about the IRS claiming that they don't have any forms and carbon copies available? I actually went to my IRS, my local IRS, and in person. Um, the lady knew, ironically, exactly what I was wanting, and she informed me that they haven't kept them forms here um, in years. And then uh, when we're, like, with the IRS, the IRS is now claiming that they do not have, like, 1099As and several others uh, forms in carbon copies available if you go to order them offline. So is there a workaround with that? There are. I was at the site just okay. yesterday. Uh, what you what all need to do, uh, a lot of people go, why well, don't they, I don't see them anywhere on the IRS's site where well, you're not looking in the right place. Oh, I went to okay. the right place. But some people are getting, yeah, there are two. Yeah. There are two places, and, and it does say, like, the red and white scannable, and it's carbon copied. It's it's, it's um, order specific. You just have to look. Yeah. And what it is is if you go, if you do a Google search, and the question that you ask in Google search is, how do I order IRS business forms? Business forms. Business forms, IRS of course. business forms. Okay, uh, that's why people aren't finding them because the you got to realize that when you read the directions on this, it says who must file. Well, it's the courts that file. It's the financial institutions that file. It's the uh, uh, post office and the uh, uh, United States Postal Service, Postmaster Generals, and it's the military, right? They're the mm -hmm. ones that order these forms. Uh, they're not used to Joe Q. Public going, I need, I need 25, 1099A. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you read the instructions, it says, uh, it says who files them. Uh, someone that does bank. Hello, Chris. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, can you hear me? Someone who does bank, and that's the last we heard. Uh, it, it's a, they're for banking. Uh, that's what I'm telling you. Uh, people go, can I use the 1099A to do this or that? No, you can't. Why? Because you're not a banking institution. Uh, that's why you get the people who deal in financing, a, a dealership, uh, deals in financing. Uh, they deal mm -hmm. in banking. Uh, banks deal in banking. Uh, credit unions deal in banking. Uh, those are the ones who order them. So they're they're under business form. Uh, I've I've done this two or three times. Somebody go, well, that's not on there. I looked all over and I can't find it nowhere. And I go right into it every time. And then I take well, the it, it, it's it's on there. But but the IRS is now sending cards out to people in place of what you've ordered, stating that they no longer have any in stock. Yeah, they don't because everybody's ordering them. 
There's been over a million people view my channel. Uh, and now, oh, congratulations. If you've got, if you've got uh, 200,000, uh, just a, a quarter of the people that's viewed this, ordering 150 and 150, uh, even 25, you're slamming them. They're not used to that. Well, they know every right. year how many. They know every year how many forms they need to print uh, because they don't want to overprint and have a bunch of stuff left over. Uh, right. Now all of a sudden you got a half a million freaking people going, "Hey, I want this form." Uh, it you? Everybody's warm out. Uh, my prison friends were ordering them. In November, they were ordering them from the prison, and they were sending them to wow. my house. I've got 1099As, and I've got OIDs, and and, uh, and people go, can I get them? No, you can't, because I'm not even using these. Uh, the ones that I've got here are for the, the, my, my friends that are in prison, and we're going to use them when we go after the bond. Uh, right. So I'm not even using them. Uh, I've got them for a reason. I can't give them away. I, I wish I could because I'd like to see a That's lot of okay. people out here do this. But, uh, you know, I've, I've got to hold on to what i got for them because we're, we're about to blow that up. Within the next month and a half, okay. we're going to have this prison thing pretty much squared away. We're going to start, we're going to start sending out our own documents. And I've got power of attorney for most of those guys already. They sent me their power of attorney from the prison. Uh, do this paperwork oh, wow. for us and sign our signature, you know. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's something else I'm going to get real busy at in the next month or so, having to do all this. Right. i got about a dozen. I got about a dozen friends that I'm about to help get released from prison. And I'm going to awesome. share that information, too. So what was the other question? Um, how, how how long can we use the 1099A and 1099C from the previous year? Like we're in 2022, but is there an exact time that the 2021 expires, or did they already? Well, you're supposed to have them done. Uh, you're, you're, the last date that you can date a 2021 is April the tw- April the 31st. Okay, so you can use them. You can use the 21 all through this month, but check it out. You can use them all through the year. You can use them oh, okay. up to the end of the year uh, because they're going to be used if, if it goes if they go past uh, April the thirty first they're going to be used as an amend as an amended in mm-hmm. uh, Okay, like, so we can use them up uh, up to December thirty first and they're amended. Yeah, they're 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 treated as an amended ten ninety nine a. Okay, thank uh, you. And, and you got to think about it this way. Uh, if, they're so, if they're so short-ordered for the 2022, uh, then they're going to have to allow. They're going to have to what? They're going to have to allow uh, those, 10, those 2021s to go through. They may use them. They may just get them and use them as if they are a 2022. Uh, they may put okay. two over the one when you send them in because 
they know that they don't have enough of them out for them to be used. It wouldn't surprise me one bit by the middle of next month if they don't have them out in quantity that they're going, it's okay, you can use the 2021s. Until okay. we can get you some 2022s, you can use 2021s. Okay. Um, next question. If you're 70 years old and at the end of your trust, how do you cash in on it, and do you know anyone who has? Uh, you're not at the end of your trust at 70. You're, in, oh, you're okay. at the end of your trust dead. Okay? When okay. You die, when you die at the end of your trust. Here's okay. When you turn 65, okay, and you go down mm-hmm. there and you apply, or actually what you're doing is you're recontracting. You're recontracting to allow the Social Security Administration to continue to be your trustee until you're dead. Uh, when you do that, you don't you don't have the right anymore to go, I want to see an on-ledger and an off-ledger account of the trust. Uh, you only have the right to do that when it matures at 65, as long as you don't recontract. Uh, once you recontract, it's, it's just like it was at when you were 60 or 64 and a half or whatever the case may be. Uh, you have to do this, and you can't use it. You use that Social Security number after you're 65, and then you've mm-hmm. recontracted. Uh, okay. The, the beauty of it is, is uh, like my mother, she's 74. She's mm-hmm. 74. Uh, she can use her trust as I'm using mine. If, you, if I can use my trust to buy a car, if I can use my trust to buy a house, my mom is 74, mm-hmm. 75 years old, can use her trust to buy her insulin. And uh, that's what she's doing. She finally got down with the program, uh, and she's got her uh, her insulin uh, producer, her insulin people, to accept the 1099A for her insulin, for a year's worth of insulin. Uh, Medicare only paid seven and a half months. After that, my mom had to pay for her own insulin, five and a half months of her own insulin. Wow. And I don't know if you guys know how much that stuff is, but it's expensive. All right. So Mm -hmm. um, does that answer your questions? Uh, Yes, sir. I got one more, and I I do apologize. We can use the 1099As for tickets, fines, in the de facto court system. Um, I already know that. Is there a minimum uh, amount that has to be that, that it has to be for it to be able to be used um, within a, the de facto. Like if you receive a seatbelt ticket, and I know it's a six hundred dollars is the, is the, okay. That's that's it. $600. Thank y'all so much for your time. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Alex, you're next. Hello. Yes, go right ahead. Oh, all right. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to uh, express gratitude first uh, before anything and go right into my question. Uh, I don't want to take up too much time. I just wanted to ask, um, because I'm actually uh, in the process with the 1099A, um, 
so I'm, I'm going to start writing conditional acceptance now. I wanted to ask you, Chris, um, with, the, with the conditional acceptance, uh, the 1099A, you just mentioned that we have to take a picture of the uh, credit application. So if you don't take the, credit, uh, the picture of the credit application, uh, you cannot do the conditional acceptance anymore. You don't have any proof. You don't have any. Mm. If you don't take a picture of that application where you find it as an beneficiary, then you can't turn around. That picture that you're going to take of the application, you're going to go have it printed off. Uh, or you can send it to your computer or whatever and print it off. That way, you've got proof that you signed as a beneficiary. Which makes it okay. social security numbers on there. It's going to make it as make it as a a trust action. Well, you're going to use that as Exhibit A uh, in your conditional mm. acceptance. Exhibit A. I went to the dealership. I filed, I, I filled out a application. Uh, I I took a photograph of it, and this is a photographic representation of the uh, the the uh, uh, the application. Now, I was okay. rejected. They refused to be my trustee after they accepted to be my trustee. They, mm, okay. they, uh, they, they failed in their fiduciary obligation to the trust. That's why you have to have that so that you can prove. I mean, if you don't have it, uh, how are you going to be able to prove that, that they were in a fiduciary obligation? Yeah. yeah. You won't be able to. Uh, okay. So I suggest that before you go running around a bunch of dealerships uh, and getting dr- rejected two or three times, uh, and then come back and go, what am I supposed to do, man? I've been everywhere trying to get this. Uh, what am yeah. I? Okay, who am I supposed to send a conditional acceptance to? And I'll, I'll, I always ask everybody, did you get a picture of the, uh, you know, of the application? Oh no, I didn't mm-hmm. do that. Uh, well, you, you're kind of in the wind on that one. And all I can suggest yeah. is go to another dealership and this time take a picture of it in case okay. they turn is, it down. So is there anything else that you would recommend um, when going to the dealership, just, you know, preliminary before I even go in, you know, and waste a bunch of time? I know now to take a picture of the, uh, the credit application, but uh, other than that, is there anything that you would suggest? Well, what you need to do, here's, here's where you're going to find the most success at using the 1099A with anything, uh, with the courts, with the, with the mortgage company, with the, uh, the, the realtors and the, and, the, and the dealerships. Know what you're talking about. Uh, go in there, go into these people with confidence. Everybody always yeah. wants to know, well, what did you write on the piece of paper that, that they told the accountant? Well, what I what I wrote on the piece of paper was how how well I could speak of what it is they're going to do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, look, I am the beneficiary of rather large, a multi-million dollar uh, uh, trust fund. Uh, in close, you'll find a 1099A where the treasury is the borrower or the the treasury is the lender. And I am the beneficiary, is, are the borrower. Uh, I can buy anything you got on this lot, anything. Uh, you can put your most expensive car, pull it right out of the showroom. 
uh, go get that thing gassed up and clean it up real good because I'm about to get in it. Uh, I can afford it. Uh, I've got millions of dollars in my trust. You ain't got a car on this lot I can buy. Uh, but I told him, I said, this is how you're going to do this. Uh, you're in a fiduciary obligation because you accepted the application with a trust number on it. Uh, it is, it's, it's in your best interest to suit my best interest. And by doing that, you can take the 1099A, attach it with an OID, uh, claim it on a 96, a 1096, and then fill out a pay voucher for it, a 1099, a 10 or 1040B pay voucher. Okay. Which is all in a nice, neat little packet and send it to 1111 Constitutional Boulevard, or Constitutional Avenue, Northwest. Washington D.C. and it, it was it roughly in, within 45 days, you will get a check from the treasury to pay for this. And this this, this lady that was their accountant uh, was so impressed with a half a page letter of what I explained that she looked into it. And by looking into it, she said, "Yeah, we could do this. Let's try it. We haven't done this before, but." Let's try it. I believe this will work. That's mm-hmm. all it took. But see, if you go in there and you talk to these these uh, shyster car salesmen, right? They don't know nothing yeah. about. Them. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I was talking with. Was that in our? Was that last week? Uh, Ted, where we had uh, what was his name on there? It might have been. It might have been in the, in the other group that I got. Okay, um, I don't recall. Yeah, they were talking about. I'll ask David about that next time I talk to him. Uh, but he said, "Go to. Uh, don't even fool with them." He said, "Go get a order for the car, and take it straight to. Uh, damn, what was it? Uh, some trustee, uh, some kind of trustee. Shit, I had the name right on, on the tip of my tongue." He said, you do the same thing with a mortgage. Uh, but instead of trying to go through the bank, uh, go straight to the trustee. Uh, they'll know what you're talking about. And, uh, damn, I wish I could remember what this specifically what it, what it was he said. Shit, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was in the other group that I deal with. Uh, I'll find out. Maybe next week we'll be able to talk about it. I'll be able to tell you exactly. Uh, but I didn't okay. need to do that. All I had to do was get rid of the middleman, which is was the, the, the car salesman. Uh, okay, you don't want to believe it? Fine. Here, take a little time out. Uh, you know what's it worth to you? The, the worst, the worst case scenario is you're not going to make a commission. Uh, the best case scenario is you can sell a car. Uh, at the window sticker price, uh, we're not even haggling. You're going to get your commission, buddy. Uh, yeah. And it was enough for him to call. So the best thing to okay. do is know what you're talking about. Be yeah. able to explain that. Be able to explain the process that they're going through. If you can explain the process uh, well enough for the person who is going to get this information, uh, can get their head wrapped around it, they're going to go, this guy knows what he's talking about. 
That's very that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that sounds very doable. Let's give it a try. Is that where it's at? But that, did that help, buddy? Okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I, I'm always on the calls. I appreciate you, Todd and Chris. You have a wonderful night, all right? All right, brother. Thanks for thanks for joining Thank us, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, let's see. King Daniel. Hey y'all, this hey y'all, this is Pam. I talked to y'all a couple of weeks ago. How y'all doing? Good, Pam, how are you? I'm good. Um, I've got a specific question for you. Got a situation going on with a uh, a vehicle, uh, a Chrysler Corporation, actually. I'm trying to um, get my payment cleared. I did send them a 1099. I let it sit for 30 days. I sent them just a, you know, a notice of what I was doing. And now, after 30 days, um, I did start a conditional acceptance process. Now, a year ago, I had also done this, but I didn't know that it didn't come at them in the beneficiary role. Now I'm coming at them with status and standing and a beneficiary role. And I just received, they received everything on the 7th. According to the 72-hour banking rule, they have already agreed to the terms, much less the postal rule. So I've got that as well. And I did uh, give notice to the attorney general as well. Um, Here's my question. Yes, excuse me, yesterday, yeah, I did receive in the mail from the financing company just their form letter that you're late on your payment and in such and such days if you don't pay this and we're going to, you know, repossess your, you know, your automobile. So my question is, I'm already in the midst of a conditional acceptance with their corporate office who they are not recognizing. It's weird. But um, the finance company is coming after me with this. I did send the conditional acceptance to them. Just I sent them a copy. Um, so my question is, I need to respond to this you know, this offer that I just received, even though it was just a standard form, uh, how would you recommend that I proceed with, you know, following up with them within the 72-hour banking rule? You can always send a payment without prejudice. If you, if you, if you send, if you send, I wouldn't even send a whole payment, I'd send a partial payment. And I would put under, I put under, uh, without prejudice, under fraud, menace, and duress. Because they're making you pay it or they're going to take it from you. They're extorting you. Actually, you could just do extortion, fraud and extortion. Uh, you're, you're committing fraud by extorting this from me. You sent me a threatening letter saying if I don't make for something I've already paid for. Right? You know that you've already paid for that car. They know it too. They just don't think you know. If you said just to keep them from get, taking your car, send them a partial payment, 
and then send it under fraud, uh, send it under fraud and, and uh, extortion. Right? You could even okay, well, I lost my nursing career about a few months ago because I wouldn't take the jab, so it's $10 a partial payment. Uh, yeah, <laughs> technically, technically it is a partial payment. Uh, yeah, I'm sending a partial payment, but only under fraud, uh, uh, only under, only under extortion and fraud. See if they send it back to you. You made a uh, an offer. You sent them the 1099A, right? Last year, I sent them a security bond that I won't really go into and then a coupon. This year, I sent them a coupon properly endorsed and a 1099. 1099A? Yes. It's a 1099A. Well, then you've already sent them. You've already paid them before. But I sent it to the corporate office, who they are just saying that we don't even know who that is. And I told them the other day, I said, uh, well, if you look at the back of every uh, statement that you send to every customer every month, you flip that over. Let, let me, if you go down you know, towards the, the bottom right, see, you know, you'll see where you list your corporate office. That's who I sent it to. Well, we're just not familiar with that. I'm just like, it's like I've been in the twilight zone. How are you not familiar? How are you not familiar with the place that pays you your check? I, you know, but I, I'm not kidding. It's been, it's been wild. It's just been, uh, you know, it's almost like I'm in the twilight they, zone. <laughs> you, they never, re, they never return the coupon or the or the 1099A, right? No, and you can bet because. Uh, and I'll share with you, me, with you my template. I've even made a template out of it so far. I'll share with you my conditional acceptance. And I put in bold letters all the time that their corporate officials have accepted and retained as trustees, you know, one after another and after another. And they have already, you know, acquiesced that within, within the their, their own 72-hour rule. I called them today to give them opportunity to, you know, if they had any, you know, rebuttals or whatever. But I couldn't even get through. So I've got that recorded. You know I do. But um, it's just, it's just wild. Uh, it's, if they haven't, if they haven't returned the coupon or the 1099A, they've accepted your payment. I wouldn't even send them a partial payment. That's like saying. You you actually helped them double dip. They got twice the money if you sent the coupon and the and the ten ninety nine a. Well, and in the conditional acceptance that I sent, that I sent, I did mention something about being a cash cow, and so yeah, I do have that in there that they have already acquiesced to. Yeah, they have. You can't get you can't get corporate to talk to the people that that that, that you're to, right? If they come and take your car, that's theft. Yeah, and I did take my license plate off, and I put private trust property, and I put my private trust number on there, and 
you know, uh, they're going to have a hard time identifying that if they want to take it. Yeah. I'd probably I'd probably try and work between those two those two agencies. I'd say, look, you don't realize what you're getting into. Actually, uh, when did they say you had to have the payment? Like the 16th of this month. Yeah. Or they was going to repo it, right? Right. And, yeah. you know, so, but yeah. How, I, I'm, are you I, conditional, how, how far along are you with the conditional acceptance? They received my, I, I sent the the uh, security instruments or the valuable consideration. Okay, I sent those. They received them. They had them over 30 days when they received my conditional acceptance on the 7th of this month. Okay. And how many days did they have? I gave them 15 days, and then I'm going to give them 10 days. I'm going to give them the three. You know how you give them the three? So I'm not going to change anything about the conditional acceptance, not one word except for second notice and then third notice. And then I'm going to yeah, I think uh, go I, I don't on. even know if I'd make it notice. They've already been noticed. The conditional acceptance is a notice. It's a final notice. Meet these conditions or you give me your power of attorney. Uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't think of, well, I wouldn't even worry about this three notice thing. Uh, they've already well, been you know how, and they've already Well, you know how on your um, – Oh gosh, my mind is, I can't remember the next step, the uh, assignment document. You had said something about, you know, you had done UCC stuff or whatever the example was. I'm not doing UCC. Um, But I wanted to make sure that they had no room for any kind of rebuttal by doing a full administrative process. So you don't think that's necessary? It's not necessary. They've already contractually agreed. They, they didn't meet the terms. They contractually agreed to give you their power of attorney to create the lien. There's nothing else you need to do. Well, there you go. It's a joke. Once it happens, it happens. There ain't no do this and do that and give you a bunch of chances. It don't work like that. You've already agreed. Why should I give you... Uh, here's the conditions. You got ten days, but if you don't make ten days, uh, I'm going to give you another notice for another ten days. And it doesn't work like that. They've already contractually agreed to give you their power of attorney. What do you need more? What more do you need? Uh, what I would do, uh, I, what I would do is make the notices a claim of lien, okay, and send them to the uh, send them to the headquarters. And this other place, everybody that's involved, uh, give them a copy. The same place you sent the conditional acceptances to, to the same people, send them certified copies of the claim of lien that you're going to put together to give to the Treasury. See if that don't get their attention. And do you think I should wait the 15 days? Just on the 15 days, go ahead and send them a certified copy of the notice of claim at that point. If they haven't met the terms, uh, what was the date on the conditional acceptance? 
Um, let's like um, ooh, a week before it got there really quick. Um, let's say a week before. A week before. Today. So, so uh, no, say March the first. Hold on, I'm not okay. looking right at it. What's the date that it was notarized? Hang on, this is Jiffy. Count your, count your days past the notice. Notar- March the 3rd. March 3rd. March the 3rd. It was notarized? Yes. Yes. And how many days did you give them? Gave them 15 days. Okay, so that'd be 18. By the 18th. March 18th. How long do you think it'd take to mail the uh, claim a lien? Well, this went really quick. So the third, they got it on the seventh, so it only took four days, and I just sent it regular mail, certified to receive. Yeah. Do that with the claim a lien. You okay. Can, you can you can do the claim a lien. You can do the claim a lien now. Uh, if they can meet the conditions, then you can just pull the you can just pull the claims away. But you can do them now and get them sent out. Right. You mean go ahead and get it done, but wait or go ahead and go send it out? Do, do the claim of liens tomorrow. And then put it okay. in the mail tomorrow. Because even even though their time isn't up, you can notice them. You can send them the claim of lien. And then they'll go, damn, I ain't even got, we ain't even got... Got this shit straight, and she's already in this. Well, if they can meet the conditions, for sure they can't. Then you can pull those claim liens back. But if you do them now, they're going to know that they're already hit before they have the chance to come get the car. If they've been noticed, and you can prove that they were noticed, and they came and got the car anyway. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, so because they sent me that thing, uh, that that form letter, that that really has, you know, that steps up the process and we're going to go and do a claim of lien. They've just given me a new offer and I'm not accepting that, so. Yeah, don't accept no offers. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I think I may even call them tomorrow and tell them this form letter you sent. I do not do not accept it, and I'll record it and I'll do a small little affidavit on that as well. So, all right, well, there you go then. Thank you. Thank you very much. You bet. Okay, one. Okay, nine one six area code. I believe that's California. Go ahead. Okay, they just left the call. Uh, 843 area code, go ahead. Hello, um, Hi. I have a quick question. Hey, so I have a vehicle that has a, what do you call it? Mm, I forgot the word, but I'm not going to register it. And I just need to know, I guess, how to go about it the right way because I don't want to get, you know, pulled over 
them all the time. I think you're talking about the... Um as a salvage title, yeah, it's a, as a salvage yeah, title, and pretty much. Oh, okay, salvage title. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Well, a rebuilt title, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Chris. Uh oh, Chris. Chris, I've been waiting on you now. <laughs> All right, I think we lost him. So hang on. Okay. Chris, I've been waiting on you all night. Hey, everybody. I know y'all can hear me. I hope you're having a good night. Chris, are you there? Yeah, yeah, we we got dropped. Okay, ma'am, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Okay, go ahead. Hey, hi, Chris. I'm Empress. I have a question hey. about um, a car, well, a vehicle. It has a rebuilt title, and in Georgia, Georgia's kind of crazy where you have to just do all, you know, just run around the ring to get a vehicle on the road. So I'm not going to register it, and I need to. I want to drive it, but I don't want to be getting pulled over all the time. So how are you going to handle your, you're going to make your own tags, right? Yes, I'm willing to make my own tags. Okay. You're probably, you're more often, uh, cops are starting to figure this out, and they don't want the hassle. Uh, If you're going Mm -hmm. to do this, and put your own tags on there, you're going to have to be ready to talk to these guys. Uh, if and when, because they are, sooner or later, they're going to pull you over. Uh, okay. Especially when you first start this. Uh, you're going to get pulled over, and if you handle it right, you know, be respectful. and uh, But tell them that you're, you know, go through the thing, you know. Um, they're going to say, are you a sovereign citizen? That's the first thing they're going to ask. No, I'm not a sovereign citizen. Uh, you can't be a sovereign mm-hmm. and a citizen. Uh, I am a queen. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, uh, driving. I'm traveling. Um, this is not a commercial. Go through that whole thing if you want. Because they've heard right. it. They've heard it. Uh, what's going to happen is you, uh, you're going to get stopped once or twice. And if you play it right, you're going to pull away every time. Uh, And then after a couple of times, they're going to have you in their NCIC computer. Uh, If you tell them you're a sovereign citizen, you just got put on a list. You just got put on a list. 
if you tell them I am a sovereign, no, I'm not a sovereign citizen. I'm a sovereign. Uh, I am a child of the Most High. My brother's Jesus Christ. Uh, he's the King of Kings. Well, that makes me a king, so I'm a sovereign. Uh, if you know how to talk to these people and do it respectfully, uh, they're going to let you go. Uh, they may piddle fart around a little bit. They're going to let you go. Uh, after uh, a couple times getting stopped, you're going to be identified as one of those. Uh, and from there on out, they may pull you over from time to time, but they probably won't even get out of the car. Mm-hmm. Got it. If they, cool you, if they ask you for insurance, tell them you have it. I've got it. Well, can I see it? Well, sure. And show them the 1099A. Tell them you're a multimillionaire uh, and you're self-insured. They're probably going to okay. treat you a whole lot different once you, once you tell them you're a multimillionaire. I'm a multimillionaire. I don't, I don't go with Allstate. Uh, I'm a multimillionaire. I am insured myself for millions of dollars. You'll beat that. Now, right? I do. Most states, most states want you to have that insurance. They want you to have the insurance more than they do a lot. Uh, so tell them that. Keep that in the glove box. Now, I do know this Don't also. Don't get shot. Um, they like to shoot people. Yeah, I ain't trying to get shot. <laughs> I know that there is a, a a paperwork that I can get from the Department of Motor Vehicles that says I am exempt from paying insurance. I'm going to look into that as well too. Or you take or you take financial responsibility. I think that's what they call it in Oregon. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's it. Well, you do that with the 1099A. Okay, got it. Awesome. I appreciate you. Y'all have a good night. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Albany, New York. Go ahead. Hey, gentlemen. Thank you again for doing this. I have a question that pretty much goes along with what the young lady who just spoke before me was asking. Um, I'm working on getting a car as well with the MCO and wondering about the registration, and it sounds like we can avoid registering the the car. Um, I'd like to know a little bit more about that, and also if you'd recommend putting the car into a trust, if that's even necessary. I don't think that's necessary. Um, we've, we've talked about that briefly with the uh, brokerage. Actually, actually uh, creating these trusts uh, and then have uh, the trust on the car. And uh, I don't know if that's such a great idea uh, because then you're putting it into a fictitious entity. A fictitious entity owns it now. Uh, I think it's better off that that a, a flesh and blood owns it personally um, because then you're exempt from all that other crap. That's what they want you to do. Uh as far as registering it goes, I wouldn't do it. I'm not registering anything, anything, uh, because when you do, you're giving it away. Yeah. 
Uh, and okay. that's how you can respond. Uh, pull out Black Law, Ninth Edition, Revised, and look up the word registration. It says in there, to prepare a security for sale to the public. I don't intend to sell this car to the public. It's mine. Why would I do that? And then drive it around and pay you rent to do it. Wheel tax and all that other crap. No. Same thing with property. Why would I want to sell you? Why would I want to register my buy something that I paid with, gold and silver, and then give it to you so you can charge me rent, yearly rent? That doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, I don't think I don't think you should register anything. Homes, cars, boats, guns, uh, children, because uh, that's what happens. Yep. Think about this. When you register, take your child to school, by definition, you just sold them to the public. And then you wonder why DCS is kicking in your door. Uh, we're here to get that child we own. You know, uh, re- uh, to me, registration is a bad idea. I would avoid it every chance you can get. Okay, thank you. Besides, Chris, that also gives them the right to tow it. They want to take you to jail or something like that or or whatever. You you leave it on the side of the road too long, they tow it. Now you're paying some some shyster to, to put your car behind a fence for $120 a day. Right. Is it necessary to have the um, manufacturer's certificate in order to keep it out of the system? No. It'd be nice to have it. I would prefer to have it, but it's not necessary. All you need is a bill of sale. Okay. If Tad wanted to sell me a car, he didn't have a title or anything on Anything. Say he had a car up there in his house, in his in his backyard, up on blocks. Hey, Chris, I'm gonna sell you this car here. Uh, uh, go down to the uh, the uh, Manny Moa Jacks and and buy four tires and rims and slap it on there. And I'll by the time you get back, I'll have you a bill of sale ready. Uh, that's all I need. All I need is a bill of sale between me and him. We got us a contract. Possession is nine tenths of the law. That means if he owns that car, he owns at least nine-tenths of it, hmm. which is controlling. He's got the controlling percentage. He can sell it to me. I'll drive around on a, I'll drive around in a car any day with just the bill of sale. That's all I need. I, prove, I can prove to you that I own this. Uh, if you can't, if you can take the VIN number off of it and prove to me that it isn't, Solden, or that it is Solden, then this is mine. You can run the van all you want. If it's not a stolen, if Tad says this ain't a stolen car, I just don't have a title to it. I don't care. Just sign that contract with me. I'm driving home tomorrow. Uh, that's all you have to do. But it's preferable. So What if somebody either does or does not have a license? How does that play into anything? License is permission from a competent authority to do an act. Without said permission would be illegal, a trespass, or a tort. 
Mm-hmm. A license is permission to break the law. License to me, a license is out of the question. You can have one, but it's not really you that has it. It's the trust. The license are the license. Listen, folks, the license is issued to your trust, not to you. So it's your trust that's driving. Now, how can a piece of plastic drive? It can't. But what they're doing is they're giving you permission to to do something that they say is illegal without that permission. Okay? And you can say it's illegal to drive without a license, and you can say it's illegal to fish and hunt without a license, but are you telling me it's illegal to get married without a license? That blows that whole theory completely out of the water. If you want to buy a car and have ride around with a bill of sale, I had a friend in high school up in Chicago, and uh, his dad owned a, uh, a garage, and uh, he would drive. He was 14 years old, driving around uh, with the, the garage tags on, his, on, on different cars all through high school. Never had a license. Uh, had a different car every couple of three months. He's driving a different car. Never had a license. We're driving around Chicago. You know, it's not like uh, back here in the woods where you, you don't cop unless he's on his way home. You know, we were all over Chicago, out, out on the expressway and everything. Uh, he didn't need it. He didn't, we graduated and still didn't have a license. So how would you handle the – I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask, how would you handle the dealership when they are insisting that they see a license, even even before selling the car? You know, when they're going through the paperwork. They do that for insurance reasons. They want to make sure you have a license. Look, you can go down in most states. I know you can in Tennessee. You can go down and have DUIs and have suspended license and all that and go down and register a car and get tagged for it. Walk right out of the, walk right out of the courthouse with brand new tags. Uh, I know dealerships do that, but the reason they want you to do that is because they have drive-out insurance. If you went in there and said, look, I don't, I, what do I need your, your insurance for? I've got insurance right here. They're not even going to care about your license. Not, not if you already got a deal. You own it. Okay. If you go into a dealership and you went in there with uh, $50,000 cash and dropped it on the table and said, I want to buy that car out there, you think they're going to care about whether you got a license or not? I wouldn't think so, no. No. The only reason they're asking for a license is because they've got insurance that covers covers that car for a couple of days. That gives you a chance to get insurance. That's why they need to see the license so that when they turn it to their insurance company, they, they the, the insurance company knows that there is, they ain't giving an, a car to an, an unlicensed driver. But once the 1099 goes through, then... It's a non-issue, it sounds like. That's right. Okay. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate all of your help. 
Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay. 207 area code. A realty company. 207. Hey, good evening. How are you? Hey there. Evening. Hey, my name is Luke. I'm uh, here in Maine. And I had a couple questions. I won't take up too much time. Um, mainly, Chris, I was wondering what, um, what, if you could explain the process on letters of credit. Well, what I, what I do with the letter of credit is once you have to know that you have so much money. Uh, when you're doing the 1099A and you're trying to get a car or a house, uh, you can pretty much rest assured that you got enough money in your trust to cover an $80,000 car or a $120,000, $180,000 home. Uh, but what you may not know is how much you've got, if you've got a whole lot of money, like in the millions. The reason that I do letters of credit is because I have a contract with the Treasury and actually two contracts, and they agree that they owe me $132.6 million. So I can say that I got at least X, of, X amount of dollars in my trust. Uh, I know that I'm covered up to that much. I wanted to write a letter, letter of credit for uh, $125 million. I could do that because I know I'm covered. I know that there's at least that much on the balance uh, where if you tried it, you may not have. Uh, uh, you know, if you're in your 20s uh, in your, or you're in your 30s and they're only putting a million dollars in your trust every year, well, then you're not going to have $100 million in your trust, which means if you tried to write a letter of credit for $100 million, they'd get you. They get you for basically uh, like an overdraft, uh, writing bad checks or whatever kind of thing. Uh, the letter of credit uh, goes out. Uh, like, for instance, my my uh, rapper buddy, uh, Wacko. I talked to him. He said I could use his name. If I wanted to, I could, I could refer to Wacko. him. Yeah, yeah, Wacko. Uh, if, if any of y'all know who I'm talking about, he was he was one of the trio of, of juveniles from uh, from the New Orleans uh, uh, NOLA. Uh, yeah, he's, I met him when I was in jail. We became real good friends, and uh, when I got out, he wanted to open another recording studio in uh, in in Miami. He's got one in New Orleans and one in Atlanta. But he didn't have enough, he really didn't have enough money to get started. Uh, so I told him, come on up, come on up to Tennessee, and uh, let me talk to you about a few things. I'll, we'll go to get, get a contract. What I did is I created a contract with, with him. He sold me a percentage of the uh, production company. And uh, by doing that, I could write a, because we got a contract now, I could write him a letter of credit. Uh, he took the letter of credit and went to uh, the federal the, the Federal Reserve Bank in Atlanta and went in with the letter of credit and a copy of the contract 
and said, I need these funds. Well, when they got down there, they said, okay, it's going to take a couple of days, uh, but we'll get a hold of you. We'll call you the next two or three days and uh, let you know when it's ready. Uh, what they did is they took that letter of credit and that contract, and they looked me up. And when they looked me up, they realized that I knew that I had at least X amount of dollars in, in the trust fund because of the contracts that I have with the Treasury. Now, after doing that, they said, okay. They called him about three days later to come, up, come back up to the bank and let us know, uh, if you want this in cash, uh, you know, we have to have a couple of days to get the funds together, uh, or we can give it to you in a, uh, a, a, a reserve bank draft, or we can transfer it to any bank you want us to. Uh, he's like, man, I'm in Atlanta. I'm not going to drive around with $2 million. Uh, he said he didn't even want to check. So he just sent it to his bank. So he had it sent to his bank. And uh, by the time he got down back down to Miami, the money was already there. Uh, that's how that works. Uh, you can't just, well, you could. You could write a letter of credit and do the same thing I did, uh, but you're really taking a chance. Uh, they may look into it and go, how does this guy even know he's got this much money in here? And then there's going to be some shenanigans. Uh, so you're better off. That's why I say uh, if, you, uh, if you're all hopped and ready to do this, get this car with the 1099A. No, what you really need to do is get rejected. Then do the conditional acceptance. Do the conditional acceptance contract with the Treasury. If they don't answer your con- – if they don't – call uh, get get back all you in 45 days you have a contract if they didn't send you the money then there's only one place it could go and that's into your trust now you know that you have at least x amount of millions of dollars in your trust you can write a letter of credit does that make any sense it does so basically the key is you're saying you have to really know at least you have a certain amount in there before you can write something out of it yeah. Say you had $10 million, and you went to the Social Security Administration and said, I'm going to put this $10 million in my trust. They'll take that $10 million and put it right in your trust. And then you can put a letter of credit up to $10 million out of that trust. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you have to know it's there first before you can actually write something out. It's like having a... You know, a checking account with no money in it, and you see you write a check. You have can you? You have no money in it. Yeah, and think about that. Some of the older folks that are up in their sixties, they paid eighty thousand dollars in to Social Security, maybe a hundred thousand, maybe two hundred thousand. They've been working their whole life. Well, they know that they've got at least fifty thousand dollars in there. They can go write a letter of credit to the bank for fifty thousand dollars. And the, and the Social Security Administration is going to go, yeah, we can cover this because, uh, you know, uh, uh, these people know they got $200,000 in their trust. They'll do that because they're trustees in the fiduciary obligation. That's why this has worked for folks. That's why some, a lot of the real estate people already know that the 1099A is a doable thing. Some of them have already done it. 
Yeah. All right, so no, does that absolutely. answer your question? Yeah, yes, yes, I, got, I, have, right. I have one other question. Uh, uh, quickly, please. Uh, okay, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I know you didn't ever touch it, but uh, about a promissory note, is there any way you can write a promissory note and cash it in? Uh, I've heard that, I've heard people doing this, but I've never seen, you know, I've never seen it work for myself. Um, and what I always say at that with a question like that is try it. Try it, man. Uh, what, you know, uh, what's the worst case scenario? You get in a little trouble. You could, uh, always investigate it. Do some due diligence. Yeah. Look into it, man. There's people that claim they have. I've never seen it. And, uh, you know, would I try it? I'm game to try anything, man. <laughs> yeah, if I'm you don't try, you won't know. Yeah. You know, that's Absolutely. like with this 1099A process, folks. You can do this, and you're not going to jail. You're not going to jail for using a 1099A to get them to, to buy you a car or a house. You're not going to jail that for that. Uh, you're going to be warned first. If you've done anything wrong, they're going to warn you first. Then they're going to. Then the next time you do it, they're going to charge you. Let's file. Let's hit him with the frivolous filing. Maybe he'll stop now. You know what I mean? They may do that a couple of times before they finally say, "This guy ain't stopping. Go get him." But you're going to get free try. You're going to get a free go at anything. Sort of but they're not even going to go after you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But I was just going to say, they're not even going to go after you anyways because you're not the one actually filing these documents because you're the beneficiary. You're not. You're not. That's how I beat him in tax court. I didn't file these. Your boss did. Your oh. secretary of the treasury filed these. If it's a frivolous filing, go get your boss. <laughs> That's exactly. what it's about. In the ten four the, right, the okay. ten forty oh uh no the ten forty V we have to file those I mean the uh person has to file those, correct? Uh, those have to be a file um filed along with the other three documents. Yeah, send them in with your documents and that's your pay voucher. Okay, so you always have to send one in. Yeah. Without one of those they won't give you the money. Nope, they won't. Okay. All right. Thank you for your time, I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. Okay, 562 area code. You're next. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Hi. Hello. Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much. I want to, if I may, comment very quickly. This is Yvonne Marie. And it, with regards to the lady that um, changed her license plate and she's trying to keep her car from being revoked what about covering up the vin number as well so that they can't see it and identify it if she can't like keep it in a garage away from um them that's just a comment i wanted to make um if that was something that would work and then i saw someone post in regards to the 1099 a's that they are able to be purchased at either like Home Depot, not Home Depot, um, Office Depot or Staples. I don't know if that's true, but um, for people who are, you know, urgently needing one, would that work, Chris? Yeah, I, I, yeah. You can get them at the office supply stores, but make sure that they've got the copy B and copy C. 
uh, some of these places you can go to, they're just going to have copy A. And, and okay. it's, apparently it's scannable too. But when you buy them at the office places, a lot of times they don't have the copy B and copy C. The uh, okay. best thing to do is, is wait. Uh, they are getting them out. Uh, uh, every day I get two or three people go, well, I got mine, you know, or somebody will comment on Facebook, man, I've been waiting uh, six weeks and still ain't got mine. And somebody goes, well, I just got mine yesterday. Uh, yes, and I, then there's people I read. That are asking. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, I received mine. I only asked for 10, though, because I knew that pretty much that was going to happen with everyone. But I was just thinking for someone who was looking urgently to get one, like you said, if they wanted to ask you, you couldn't give them. But if somebody really needed something, if they that was another source that wasn't discussed. So I just wanted to bring that up. And then my question, I have, have two. I'll make it quick. One is, I know that you indicated that once – you were charged and incarcerated, you were told that you, I guess your citizenship or whatever was revoked. Um, so for those of us who have been trying to get out of the system per se and have our, you know, corporate citizenship revoked, um, we don't have to worry. Like you said, you were just discussing with the other gentleman. There's no way using the 1099s is going to, put you in a bad situation where you really need to have your status corrected, for lack of a better term, correct? No. no okay. You don't need to do that. Uh, okay. If you file a W-8, uh, you're not a citizen anymore. Uh, okay. There's a bunch of stuff that you can do. Uh, just by denouncing it, you can expatriate. Uh and that'll make you a, a non-resident alien, I guess you could say. Uh, there's okay. a bunch of different things. All you got to do is say, "Hey, I'm not." Uh, well, you know, you've right. got a registration card. Card. Yeah, but that was before I found out that the United States is a corporation. That's we we uh, yeah we actually canceled that yeah we canceled our voter registration the only thing that we have right now um i've been a stay-at-home mom since our son was two and he's 30 now so um i haven't worked and my husband gets social security he gets a retirement and um we have an investment that we're getting money from but that's that's it we haven't been a um what do you call a w-2 for since 2014 so we filed a revocation of election back in um, 2019, and we haven't filed since then. So um, good. anyway, that yeah. All right, and so then the last thing, sir, if I may, please. I uh, was given, I was taken to court for the Department of Healthcare Services for my stepdad receiving Medi-Cal while he was in a nursing home. But I took care of him for two years prior to, and they told us that since I was able to prove that, that um, the state would cover his um, Medi-Cal. But then it was, uh, that was in 2000. Um, then I had my mom. She was living here. She passed away in 2014. And then 
they hit me in 2015 for a $45,000 bill, and I fought it, but I was, I was not in my right mind. I did it through Juris because I had just lost her, and I had been taking care of her. She had dementia. So I, I didn't do everything right. I know I didn't. But anyway, I've got stuck with this bill, and I want to be able to use the 1099A for it. Um, but yeah. in all the documents, all I have are the case that basically says that there's a judgment against me, but there's, like, no coupon. There's no, like, bill. It's just the, um, the letter from the Department of Health Care Services. So then can I use there, that? Is there a name is there a worker's name on there? When you say a worker's name, you mean um, yeah, the director? Yeah, Just a director of the Department of Healthcare Services for California. It didn't say their name? Oh, it has her name. I don't know it off the top of my head, but yes, her name is there. No, that's what I'm saying. Okay. That's okay. an offer. Okay. Uh, you were made an offer by the court. Uh, to pay for something, uh, and you can conditionally accept that offer, or you can send okay. them a bill. Actually, uh, make a copy of the letter and okay. send them the 1099-8. And in the letter, okay. you know, use the use the terminology. Uh, you know, this is a this is this is a, a, a final attempt to pay this debt. And uh, here's the you enclosed your fine. And, uh, here's the postal rule and everything, uh, and that you agree, folks. When you do okay. these, uh, letters, letters for the coupons to the CEOs and uh, to the IRS, uh, in there when you're putting the postal rule, also put in there that they are contractually because it's the postal rule, they are contractually agreeing. To receive the payment. Uh, that way, they can't come back and say, "Oh well, we, you know, we can't accept this." What do you mean? You just contracted that you did. Uh, do that when you're doing these documents. Yeah, I would do. I 1099A it, and then the minute they, the minute they don't accept, they send you a letter saying, "Oh, we can't accept this." And and now, mind you, they're not going to send the 1099A back. So they have accepted it, right? Okay. Boom, now they owe you millions of dollars that you can turn around and write letters of credit on. Very good. Okay, okay. I shall do that. I, I have enough information from you, sir. I thank you very much, and thank everybody on the call yeah, for great more. questions. We've learned a lot. Yeah, you all can, uh, if you need to know more information and you're not getting it from uh, listening to these, uh, uh, to Tad's show and, and, and every other venue that I've got out here, feel free to email me or shoot me a message on Messenger. Uh, I'm really starting to get caught up with all that stuff now. Uh, and I think the, the, the new venues that we're going to have up and running here pretty soon is going to start taking a lot of that time-consuming stuff off my hands. And when that happens, folks, I will be doing one-on-one. Uh, you'll be able to uh, hit me up on Messenger, call me on Messenger, and I'm going to talk to you. I'm already starting right. to do that. I'm already starting to pick up these messages on Messenger and talking with folks one-on-one. And that's what I'm really wanting to get down to 
we can start beating this one case at a time. But thanks for Very calling. Good. Thank you. All right. Thank yes, you. Thank you. Um, next caller, two zero two area code. You're next. Sounds like DC. Um, hi, this is um, Kristen calling. Thank you for taking my call. I um, am involved in a um, a, Greek, a very litigious court case, and now they've filed a contempt against me. Um, and what I recently learned today, this is probably for sharing. I don't know if you know this, but it's considered the law of agency. And I am trying to remove myself from any authority under the state that I reside in um, through the state's attorney's office. And what I found out was you could make a copy of your birth certificate, and on the back of the copy you write verbiage such as I so-and-so do hereby revoke my position as registered agent for service of process with the state agency and or organization on the front side of this security agreement. In the front is a copy of your birth certificate. I then forwarded that copy to the state's attorney of my state, indicating to them that I'm informing you that I'm terminating the position with the state agency as a registered agent for service of process and all rights, obligations, and duties assigned with that position henceforth and notifying them of the attached copy. Um, and that would mean, um, you know, unbeknownst to all of us, they have access to our birth certificate um, and making us an agent of this all-caps name, which keeps us in the court system. So um, I thought this was a very interesting um, updated information I found recently, and I wanted to provide that to the group and I'm wondering if you knew anything about that process. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I've heard about it. Uh, you can do all that. You can, man. I, I don't. I'm not knocking anybody for doing nothing like that. But if I wanted to, I'd go in, uh, if 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 what you're saying is by doing this, you cease to become an agent. Uh, why couldn't you just stand in there and shut your mouth? I'm not your agent. Uh, I'm, I don't want this job. Because uh, see, the thing is, is they never told you that they were doing this, right? Uh, I I I agree. I yeah, I agree, and yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I know I now I understand after 15 years of being stuck in the court system through a divorce and and now a custody and now they're really trying to put me in jail and I I, I hate to, I don't want to foretell the future but I see that's the tactic they're doing now and and what I'm doing is don't don't do it I'm not telling you don't do it I'm not telling anybody don't do it and here's the thing matter of fact I would say do it because uh, I'll be honest with you it's it's making this is your justification this is you uh, convincing yourself that you're detached from all of this. More so than uh, you see me now. Do you believe me now? Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not a resident anymore. Do you believe me now? Uh, I did this thing. You know, I did this 
thing with the birth certificate. Uh, I'm no longer an agent. You believe me now? Uh, It's all about you being comfortable with it because now that you're comfortable with it, right, you can go in there and say, wait a minute, I'm not not one of your agents. Uh, You know, I've done this process, and I'm no longer part of all that, uh, so what's up? they can't hold you in contempt if they don't have jurisdiction. That's where the problem all that's where the problem all starts at. Uh, right, and I've already filed. Right, and I've already filed in regards to that, and I'm just working all mm-hmm. angles. And I'm, believe me, this does not. You. So this process will not be finished because I'm also doing a conditional acceptance. Um, but I'm yeah. putting everything on paper because I'm going to hold everybody um, to, to, you know, what they put me through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, they, I cussed the judge out. I called her a whore of Babylon. And she didn't hold me in contempt of court. <laughs> the reason she didn't hold me in contempt of court is because I have a lot of contempt. I've got a lot of contempt for the court. Uh, you don't. You, uh, uh, you don't have jurisdiction. They have to have jurisdiction to hold you in contempt of court. Uh, so if they're doing that, they've got it. Uh, that's why you need to challenge it. Uh, we're going to hold you in contempt well, I of did, court. Well, I did. How is it that you're holding no, me I... in contempt of court? Go ahead. Well, this is – well, I did. And what happened was when I filed um, right off the, I guess, the – Right from the beginning, the when they filed the contempt, I filed that you don't have jurisdiction. Then what they did was they denied the case, and he refiled it again a couple of days ago. So that told me that what I filed was correct. They're just trying to circumvent everything I'm doing. File it again, because what they've done is they've changed jurisdiction on you. Right, right, exactly. File it again. File it again, and every time they do this, file it again. Right. And, and every time that they, every time they dismiss it and open it up again, that all that's doing is confirming uh, what you know to be true. That's yeah, I mean, I and thought it was weird that I received. I'm sorry, say that they're again. Going to do the conditional acceptance, and eventually, what they're going to do is they're going to go. We can't keep doing this with this lady. Uh, we need to go ahead and just let this go. Uh, that's what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing to keep the ball rolling, and then hit him with hit him with the conditional acceptance. Once you do that, they're not going to be able to move against you because they owe you money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Once so- you serve them the conditional acceptance, and they drag you back into this BS again. Tell them, look, you owe me money, bitch. Uh, how are you going to pay? Uh, oh, you didn't get this conditional acceptance that I sent you? Here's the green card. Uh, Joanna mm-hmm. Swanson just signed this thing, see? And, oh, is that your secretary? All right, you owe me money, so how are you going to pay? How are you going to pay me? Matter of fact, get your ass down off the bench because you're biased. You can't even hear this case. You want to see them drop a case real fast? Go in there and challenge their jurisdiction due to the fact that 
that it's them that owes you money. Or it's them that had to pay you. That's how this works so just, forever when you do Right, and that and that's why that is that is what I'm focused on. But just to be clear, the conditional acceptance only needs to be sent once and um it's just a ten day turnaround for them to respond, yeah. right? Okay, that's all yeah. I need to know. You're going to okay. get the judge. See how this is a court? You're going to get the judge. You're going to get the clerk. You're going to get the prosecution. You're going to get everybody involved. If this is a custody thing between your ex-husband, put one yes. on his ass, too. I am. Okay? Put one I on am. him, and too. I am. All right, I am. so does that answer your question? Yep, All right, thank, thank you. you. Have a good night. Uh, 214. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 214 area code. Hi, hello, Chris. Can hello. you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, uh, this is Grace. Um, I got a couple of questions. I know somebody already asked about letters of credit. So mm-hmm. I have a follow-up on that. I pull up... Okay my birth certificate and I paid somebody, the broker from Mm -hmm. uh, Fidelity. In short, I found that I have much money in there that they are trading and it's already mature for 20 to 2020. So I I have that. So can I write a letter of credit against this? Yes, you can. Yes. So one and again yeah. another question. Yeah. You now you got a you got a certain amount that you know that's owed yeah. to you. You can write a letter of credit against that. Right. So yeah, that's that's I just wanna I was listening on that. So yeah. now me, of course, I bought some properties and we have a land that I already, we purchased last year. And it, we're supposed to build 12 unit townhomes in this land, but we tried to get a loan, but the loan fell off. So we were not able to get it. Uh, we were not able to build. My question yeah. again is, the one that bought the property is my LLC. So mm-hmm. can I write a letters of credit on my LLC. Your LLC. Yes, you can. So we can start this process. Yeah, you can write a letter of credit to your LLC. Amen. And so uh, that's cool. So what else? I, oh, the I was listening to you earlier about the trustee of the dealership. I got it down. It was the indenture trustee. That you were asking? That's it right there. Yes. The indentured trustee. Yeah, we are going to look for indentured trustee on the dealership. And that's what you are asking, but I cannot answer because I got muted. But that was, I got that right. Uh, That's it, it. folks. Indentured trustee. So. This is amazing, Grace. She's she's on my (laughs) money, Matt, group. So, yeah. so she's a, a so, broker. She's a uh, uh, a real estate agent, folks. 
in Dallas. Yeah. Yes. So, like I said, we during the time we bought quite some properties, but I lost it too. So I'm also battling in the court for foreclosure. I'm still in the court, and so yeah. we got all those problems. But uh, we're fighting. We're we're fighting. That's we what all you need. did. We all need to slay this giant because we are the David, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Bunch of so, Davids out there. Bunch we are. We are all handful, handfuls of stone. Yes, we are all the David yeah. in this, and I, I already like this girl that just uh, talked earlier. I wrote. Uh, uh, challenge of jurisdiction on them, and like I said, <laughs> I think that was happened. They want to dismiss my case. They did yeah. not want to to move forward. So once now I send, I just sent yesterday recusal of the judge, and yeah. I recuse, and then, but and then after that, uh, I'm writing again a claim, another claim. For the judge, notice mm-hmm. of claim. So once it's yeah, still yeah. not hit, I already send them the conditional acceptance of jurisdictional challenge. And so, yeah, yeah follow question. Uh, they have not responded. I give them 14 days, and they have not responded. Yeah. So I, I just want to <laughs> repeat myself here. I do need to send them additional uh, default notice, right? No more. No, you already have. You've right. already noticed them. It's a no done more. deal. It's a done deal. Okay, so, so now That's just a claim of lien. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because yeah. send, that, uh, send that to them. That'll wake them up. That, that's okay. the way this works, folks. When you're standing right. on their neck, that's when it's time to grind. Uh, when, right. you got a, when you about got them killed, uh, that's when you got to push down a little harder. Uh, you, you got to crush them completely. Uh, and, and Grace is and, uh, amazing. Grace is doing that. <laughs> uh, thank you. I thank you so much. Yeah. For Thanks that for too. calling in. Yes, Thanks because I just want to we'll talk to you Monday up. night. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, three one four area code. This might be our last one for the night. Pending. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Hey, Chris, this is LaShonda McCoy. I actually um, spoke with you on Messenger before about the 1099A, um, but I have three simple questions. So my first okay. one is, how do you sign as a beneficiary? You, uh, when you sign a beneficiary signature, it's your first name, uh, uppercase, and the rest of them lower, and then you hyphen. And then you send, sign your second name, upper and lower case. If you don't have a second name, there's no need to hyphen. Uh, if you have a, uh, a senior or a junior, that goes after your second name with a period, then a colon, then your family name, then a comma, then beneficiary, all in lower case. Okay? Uh, uh, if you have, if you're a, a female and you're wondering, do you sign your maiden name or your married name? It's the name, it's the last, it's the family name that's on the Social Security card. 
That's one you need to need to sign with. That's a family name you need to sign with. Is okay, so I have two last names. Yes, that is. I have two last names. So will I sign then it? Hyphenate. Um, hyphenated. Hyphenate my last name as hyphenate well? Hyphenate the, the two family names. Hyphenate okay. the two family names, comma, beneficiary. Okay, so then it'll be LaShonda C. McKinney McCoy, and then um, the colon, and then McCoy or McKinney McCoy, all lowercase, right? And then beneficiary. First name. You can you can you can use uh, uh, the second uh, initial. You don't have to do your whole uh, second right. name. You don't have to write your whole second name out. You can use an initial, and then a period, then a colon. And then, if you had uh, a married name and a and a and a, and a uh, maiden name, you would just hyphenate the two. And then sign beneficiary or B E N E period. Okay. So my next question, um, really quick, is: Can a 1099A work on current debt the same way that it works on new debt? Or yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then my last question you gotta, is, yeah. Go ahead. I'm just saying, if you had like a, a car payment you've been paying off for two or three years, you could use a 1099A to pay off the balance. Okay, and I would do it the same way I would with the new debt, correct? Yeah. Okay, and I'll also uh, message you more on Messenger about that as well. And my last question is. What is the coupon? Like, what is that? Okay. You ever had a uh, credit card statement in the mail? Yeah. You know how you cut the bottom of it off? And you send it in with yeah. the envelope? That's the mm-hmm. coupon. Oh, oh so is that the same way with the bill, too, then? Do you, you want me to explain to you what the coupon When you look at that coupon, it's got a box. It's got a box on it where you put the numbers in, right? Mm-hmm. So you put your payment you put your payment amount in there, minimum payment due or, or other or whatever the case may be, or you're paying it all off. Uh, you put that amount inside that box. Well, that coupon's got a, a to and a from on it. It's got you and it's got the company that you're paying on it. And then it's got bank routing, bank and routing numbers at the bottom. Most of them do. That's a check. If you turn that mm-hmm. over and sign with a beneficiary signature, you just created, you just monetized the coupon, so now it can be redeemed. Does that make sense? But what you yep, do is right you here. put a check with it too. You put a check with it too, so you're like giving them twice the money. Hmm. That's double dipping. That's trust fraud. So then if you want to counteract uh, the payments, then you would basically say this it's extortion then, correct? Because they're basically forcing you to do it. Well, to get it's, to when they do still stuff like, it's when they do stuff like, uh, if you don't send this payment, uh, we're going to come repo your car. That's extortion. What extortion hmm. is when somebody says, do this, or I'm going to do that, or don't do this, and I'm going to do that, or I won't do that. 
That's extortion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, All right. If Mama says, clean your room and I'll give you a cookie, she just extorted you into cleaning your room. <clears throat> that makes sense. Okay. All right. Thank okay, you. Well. Okay. We have room for one more. Nine seven three. Um, hold on. Okay. I see one here, Chris. That I have just got to call on. Yeah. It's it's weird. I've never seen this before. It comes okay. up as I did it. Credit. <laughs> I did it. Credit. Huh. Yep. Let's see what they did. Okay, nine zero eight. You just uh, you just uh, unmuted. Go ahead. I did it. Credit. Is your phone mute? Go ahead. Nine zero eight area code. All right. Never mind. We don't have. Yes, we're not going to find out what they did. Nope. Okay, 973 area code. Go ahead. Hello. Thank you. Um, first, I want to say just be quick in my appreciation. Like Chris, God bless you. And you too, the host of this. Oh, God bless you, uh, too, been, uh, Looking at the sovereignty stuff for the past year, and the fact that I came across it at this time, it was like just after two, and you were like, yeah, all that stuff is BS, all the extra stuff. And I kind of knew, and seen how people behaving, but that's, now here nor there, because I've got to ask questions again a little late. Uh, so uh, I'm behind on rent, and uh, I didn't get any eviction notice yet. And I'm basically kind of simple. Like, I'm wondering if I should just go over there and be like, hey, uh, I can give you this 1099A. And, you know, like you said, give them a confident breakdown of what's going on and what it is. And yeah. if they don't accept it, then just give them a conditional sentence. Is that what you yeah. suggest pretty much? Well, you gave him your social security number to rent the place, right? Uh, it's been a couple of years, but I think so. Agreement. You did an assignment agreement, uh, and you probably gave him your social security number, so they're already trustees in the trust. Uh, but if they don't, if they didn't do that, if they don't have your number, and you offer them a 1099A, it's got your social security number on it. Which makes them a beneficiary or makes them a uh, trustee in your trust. Uh, what you need to do is get savvy with the process, and then go down and say, "Look, man, you know I'm, I know I'm behind on my rent, but I want to make everything right. Uh, here's here's what I can do for you. Uh, figure out how much money I owe you to the end of the lease, every dollar, uh, and we're going to tack ten percent onto that." And then I'm going to give you uh, a 1099A. And it's going to pay the rent up to the end of your lease. And then if you want to stay, uh, when your lease is up, tell them you'll make the same deal again for two more years or whatever the lease is. And they're going to get paid up in front. Uh, If you fall over dead after you've had two months of rent, they get the money. Uh, Or or something happens, you've got to move out of the state. They're going to keep the money. Uh, that's the incentive that you give these people to get them on board. 
if it was me, brother, what I would do is I would say, look, man, uh, I still got another year uh, on the lease or 14 months on the lease. I'm going to pay you every dollar up to the end of the lease. And I'm going to attack on there 10 or 15 more percent just because you're good guys and you're doing me a solid. Uh, I'm going to tack that on there. Now, you can file this with a 1099 OID, 1096, and a 1040V, and my trust is going to pay for it. And then what I would be figuring, trying to figure out is uh, how can I buy me a house between now and the time this lease is up? Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of people have, have approached me and said, uh, you know, I'm in the living in the projects or, you know, I'm living with my mom and dad. I'm in my 20s, man. I need to get out. Uh, can I use this to pay for a, an apartment? Yeah, you could. Uh, go out and find an apartment, get the lease for two years, and pay the whole thing. Uh, <clears throat> but why? Why not go get a house? Uh, it's the same thing people are going, you know, uh, I'm, I'm talking to my landlord and I'm trying to get him to do a 1099A on the rest of my lease here. Uh, or, you know, I'm going to try and get him to sell me the house. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to do it. Maybe I can offer him more, way more than what he could get for it and he'll sell it to me. Why do that when you can buy a brand new house? Uh, I mean, the only reason I could think of is you love the house so much and you love your neighbor so much uh, that, and you and you don't want to move all your junk. Uh, maybe you've hoarded stuff up for 10 years in it, and you don't want to have to move it all. I can totally understand that. Believe me, I don't want to move out of the house I've got uh, because it's too much moving, too much junk. Uh, yeah, but I would do that. Uh, I would try and figure out how to finish paying the lease out, and then why you get if that rolls down like that, go ahead and start planning on buying a house. Find your house somewhere. Even if you're even if you pay for it for fourteen months and in five months from now you're like, I found me a house or I got a con I'm working with a contractor right now, man. I'm gonna have me a house built in eight months. Uh, you know, get yourself ready to get something in. Or if you like apartment living, go look at a townhouse somewhere. Uh, you know, you can get a, uh, you can get a really nice in the, in the suburbs of Chicago where my dad lived, a uh, hundred eighty five thousand dollars. You could get a, a three bedroom, really nice townhouse. Uh, you know, if you just like living in something like that. But uh, that's what I would do. Heard you. Thank you very much. Now, right. if I were to say get a hey, house, brother. eventually I sell it, and say I have a beneficiary account at that time. Do I have to have it? Signed to me in the beneficiary way and like addressed to me that way, or I don't know. If you sell the house and you want to put the money in your account, do you need a beneficiary account? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, uh, you kind of already have said that plenty of times, but I mean, like, if I have a, if I get a beneficiary account, do I have to have the check vent to me in the beneficiary style? You can have it put in your name, uh, in the in the in you know in the the regular way people write checks. They don't have to write it to you in a beneficiary, because you already are the beneficiary of that account. Uh, how how people pay you? If you had a beneficiary account and you were working a construction job, you were your own uh, 
contractor. And you had people paying you with a regular check, you just put it right in that beneficiary account. Uh, if you wanted to write checks, you know, for yourself and or deposit money with you, then you'd use your beneficiary signature. If they gave you a check and they didn't put it beneficiary at the end of it, it doesn't matter because you're going to sign it with a beneficiary signature. You know what I mean? But it's good to have folks. It's good to have a beneficiary account. You know why pay them people? They're going to make. They're making money off you anyway without even any service fees or anything. You know? Uh, so that's why I suggest get a beneficiary account. And another thing, too, with fractional banking, if, if I had a beneficiary account and I put $100,000 in that account, you know what's going to happen? That $100,000 is going to stay there at the bank. Now, if I had a regular account and I put... $100,000 in that bank, uh, 90000 of it would go back to the Federal Reserve. Mm. And they only keep 10% of it there at the bank. It's fractional banking. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, they got that in reserve. They got that 90000 in reserve. If you need it, you can have them get it. But that's not the way fractional banking works. Uh, you're going to uh, that's how they roll they're going to put your money over there like that they're going to send 90% of it back to the Federal Reserve the Federal Reserve is going to hold it in account for the bank but they're going to use it until then it happens the Mm -hmm. same way when you borrow money so alright so does that answer your question Yes, it does. True indeed. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank God bless you. you. I'll meet you one day. Bro. All right, brother. Have a blessed night, man. Okay. JJ, I'm going to give you one minute to answer my uh, question to you. Then we're going to end the call. So, JJ, check your messages. We waiting on JJ. Yep. Need to know who to call on because that guy was either our last call, or our last person, or JJ will be if he'll answer my message so I know who to call on because I think we're all getting tired and my phone is not going to last much longer. Yeah. So, all right, okay. good dynamite. All right, well, it looks like he left, so okay. um, darn it. Okay, um, so everybody, um, hang on the line there, Chris. Um, If you would, consider a membership at youhavetheright.com because that does help us uh, to put these calls on. Um, And I do a lot of work to uh, categorize these to make it quick and simple and easy for you. Um, So if you would, just uh, consider doing that. It's like $37 a month. It's not a lot. Uh, but it does help. And if that's too much for you, at least join our mailing list. Go to the mailing list and uh, put your name on there so you can uh, stay in the loop on notices about this call and when it is and, and other things like that. Um, 
And I think that's basically all I have for now. So, Chris, uh, again, thank you very much for being here. And, again, stay on the line. Okay. Everybody, thank you very much. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being here. And we'll see you again next week. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.